You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin. We are here. It is Wednesday morning. And as you hear, the crystal crystals aren't smooth. What's something that's smooth? The ice cream smooth tones of my voice are back. We're back on the real microphone. Again, apologies. Uh, doing some traveling. And we had to deal with... Uh, uh, headphone microphone situation so the audio wasn't great sometimes the scheduling wasn't great but we're back on our normal schedule we're back on their normal equipment and we're here to talk about a game coming up on saturday afternoon against the Rutgers scarlet knights scott how are we doing today i'm psyched couple weeks ago it was your turn to see these guys in action this week it's finally my turn i'm an east coast spartan they finally made their way out here for their annual uh hitting the new york market if you can call it that our buddy mason bailey would hate to call new jersey uh the new york market but that is why the big 10 is out here so i'll be head to, heading down to piscataway on saturday i'll be in the front row behind msu's bench looking at mel tucker's shiny bald head all afternoon and hopefully it'll be a good afternoon. So I think we got a good matchup here and I am just psyched to be down there. Yeah. What was the, uh, so we, we kind of talked about this a little bit um, for anybody that is East coast ish. We'll, we'll just kind of say it that way. Um, I'm wondering like, what's the get in price for this game? Cause I, I feel like Rutgers home games aren't exactly uh, a pricey ticket. I'm I'm pulling up StubHub right now to just just find a get in price. Yeah, it's not much. Uh, it's more than it used to be though. It is. Let's see, two tickets left at the lowest price of eighteen dollars. So eighteen bucks for the two the tickets combined. Uh, no, for one ticket. Okay, that's still still a cheap ticket. Twenty bucks a ticket. Yeah. A lot so less and there's really not a bad seat. Thing. You can actually get a lower bowl ticket for twenty dollars uh, this weekend. So, yeah, so if we'll you're see. in the East I've Coast never been down there. and and you haven't gotten tickets to this game, twenty bucks can get you a pretty good seat. So, if you want to go see our Spartans take on Rutgers, uh, this might be a good opportunity for it. Uh, so, let, let's kind of start getting into this game a little bit. Um, we'll we'll do our picks and stuff on Friday's episode as we always do. But uh, when we do. 
we are using lines from, I mean, inarguably the greatest sports book on the planet, the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're doing new promos and boosts and, and stuff all the time. Their interface is probably the best in the business right now. Scott and I were just complaining about how difficult it is sometimes to, to navigate through some of these apps. DraftKings does a great job of that. So if you are in the market for a draft for a, for a sports book, DraftKings is the way to go and they have a promo for you. All you got to do is use promo code TPPN. That's for the pigskin podcast network, which we are a proud member of you bet $1 on any NFL game and win a hundred dollars in free bets. If either team scores a point, Scott, the last time there was a zero zero tie in the NFL was in 1943. So I like your odds there of betting $1 on any NFL game and getting $100 in free bets. All you have to do is dra- download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code TPPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. We're not doing the picks today. We'll get to that Friday. We do have a line right now at Michigan State minus 5. In Piscataway, the over-under at 50 and a half. Um, Because we've been doing this kind of every week, I guess we'll just start it off uh, right at the top here. Over-under 50 and a half, Scott. Any lean there? We'll get to our picks against the spread on Friday. But uh, I guess the weekly preview over-under just to kind of warm us into the, is this going to be an offensive shootout? Is this going to be a low-scoring defensive battle? Where's your head at there? Well, Rutgers... um... Their high this year was 61 points. They also scored 45, but those weren't against top-tier opponents. They've played three Power 5 games, and in those games, they've scored 17 and 13 and again 13. So when they face stiff competition, um, they don't do too hot. The absolute disrespect to the Delaware Blue Hens. I will not have it. Uh, speaking of, they played two blue and yellow winged helmets in a row. One went very well. One went very poorly for them. Um, just thought that was interesting, but I think the under on account of Rutgers, not being able to score very much though, our defense does bend quite a bit. They'll get some field goals. Um, but I think probably the under, because I think it will still be tough for them to get enough points on the board. Um, we'll see though, might be different when we get to the predictions on Friday. I didn't think about the over under all that much. I was still pondering that, uh, five point line. So, um, and I hate betting unders. <laughs> yeah. So Rutgers comes into this one, three and two, like you mentioned there, there, there are two losses in the previous two games leading up to this week against Ohio state and Michigan, um, Lost by uh they they scored actually exactly thirteen points in either in each of those games. Lost a combined seventy two to thirteen. 
mostly on account of that Ohio State game last week, which they just bludgeoned them, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Wins over Temple, Syracuse, and Delaware. Uh, obviously, this is Greg Schiano's second year back in his or back in Piscataway after after a little hiatus there uh, with with Chris Ash, which brought Rutgers down to depths that. Not many college football teams have really experienced being as bad as Rutgers was over that stretch of time, but we've seen already in in just two years here the fruits of Greg Schiano's labor, winning five games or six games, I guess, in the last two years. Uh, that's probably more wins than than Chris Ash had his entire time at Rutgers. It's not a, exactly a a proud football program. I was looking in the game notes earlier that the university puts out. They've had nine wins all time against AP ranked opponents, not AP top 10, not AP top five against AP ranked opponents. They've had nine all time wins. And this is a Rutgers program that has been playing since literally the birth of college football. So uh, not exactly a proud program, but they, they've definitely had been at their best under Greg Schiano. They're coming in, Scott, you kind of mentioned there as well a little bit led by their defense they're they're giving up only 21 points a game and that includes the Ohio State game uh that's good for 42nd in the country they're scoring about 30 points a game but again uh put up 61 against Temple put up 45 against Delaware uh when you're looking at Syracuse Michigan Ohio State they put up 17 13 13 so not really a high powered offense Tough defense, really good front seven. I, I think that's where they're going to be led. We'll start with kind of some matchups on the Michigan State offensive side of the ball. I I have a couple notes here that I want to make sure we get to. But, Scott, when you're looking at Michigan State on offense, what really stands out to you that are going to be some keys for this one? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously going to want to establish the run same way we do every game. Um, and I mentioned at the end of the last episode, the, the Western Kentucky uh, recap that our offensive line at times has struggled to really establish themselves in the trenches. They call Kenneth Walker the eraser because he kind of makes up for some mistakes um, that that offensive line makes. And you mentioned that this Rutgers defensive front seven is uh, is tougher than maybe what we're used to out of a Rutgers team. They play in interesting slanted defensive tackle scheme that gives some guys fits where they, they kind of it's almost like a a one technique um but they they turn the defensive tackle kind of 45 degrees so he's coming across the face of of the center uh it's a really weird look that you don't see very often and we actually struggled with it quite a bit last year in the first game of the season obviously last year had all kinds yeah, we're of not talking about that game we didn't play a, a football <laughs> game against Rutgers in 2020 no idea what you're talking about um in any case yeah so I it's going to be interesting to see if we can run the ball up the middle it's just something that I'm going to be watching throughout the season now we've kind of established a pattern that it's not our strength to run it up there um Kenneth Walker will try to bounce it outside he should have some success doing that as he typically does but um will that offensive line be able to get enough of a push to control this game on the ground, or will we have to rely on Peyton Thorne's arm to win this one? Um, 
that's the first place I'm going to be watching. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know uh, if we'll be up to the task. We'll certainly get some yards and we'll certainly stick to trying to do that throughout the game. But will we be able to, if we can, I think it'll be a great game for us. If we can't, um, I still think it's not a death blow, but it'll make things a little tougher. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I want to start is, is running the football is it's going to be a challenge against this Rutgers front seven. It's not only a, you know, oh, it's it's pretty good for Rutgers. Like, it's pretty good for the Big Ten. I, I mean, Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins each ran for under three and a half yards a carry uh, against this Rutgers front. Those two have been running wild all, all year long against pretty much everybody that they've played against. Um, even Ohio State last week, they broke a couple, especially the freshman Travion Henderson, but... Master Teague was held under five yards a carry. He had 11 carries for 52 yards as their leading back. So this is a tough front seven. Like you said, they have some schematic things that they do to really keep you on your toes, but just straight talent wise, this is a pretty good group. And that's going to be, like I said, a little bit of a challenge for Michigan state to establish a running game that, you know, yeah, we've done a pretty good job of, of establishing so far this year, but this is going to be a, a pretty good test. A, a guy that I want to mention, mostly because I just want to make sure I say his name because it's fun, uh, but also is one of the best linebackers in the league this year, Ola Kunle Fatukasi. You're going to hear that name a lot. He is 14th in the country in tackles per game. He has six and a half tackles for loss on the year, two and a half sacks. He's all over the field. He's probably their best player on defense. He might be their best player on their team. Uh, so you're going to hear that name a lot because announcers just like me, uh, they just really want to say his name because it's fun, but also he's a damn good football player. So that, that front seven is really good where Rutgers is very exploitable is in the passing game. Uh, that's where their defensive backs, they've struggled this year. They play a lot of zone coverage uh, from what I was watching. I went back and watched the Ohio state and the Michigan games their their last two weeks, Michigan close game, Ohio state blowout. But there was a common trend in that uh, uh, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State's quarterback, he had 17 completions for 330 yards and five touchdowns. That's about 19 and a half yards per completion. Uh, and you also had Cade McNamara on Michigan's side. Well, that's a team that doesn't really throw the ball that effectively. Nine completions, 163 yards. That's about 18 yards per completion. So, Rutgers is is not only giving up yards in the passing game, but when you do complete it against them, there are missed tackles in the back end. There are just blown coverages. There are missed assignments. And it, from the last couple games against, you know, really the, the two best teams that they've played all year, they're, when you complete passes against them, they can go the distance. And obviously when you have guys like Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed, that could be a huge advantage in this game as far as being able to, to hit those shock plays, those 20, 25, 40-yard completions that really just put the defense back on their heels. The, the last thing I'll mention on that, too, is, is just from watching the Ohio State and Michigan games, I don't have any real statistics on it, but it seemed like play action really was effective against this defense. They are really aggressive in trying to stop the run. And that's, a, again, you look at some of those numbers, they've been pretty effective at it. But when you hit them with play action, that, like, I, I, I guess I'll call it like the middle five or the middle four, 
the safeties and the linebackers are biting hard on play action because they're coming up. They're, they're aggressive in the run game. They want to shut down the run. And when you hit them with that play action, the linebackers are biting, the safeties are biting, and there's a lot of big plays to be had though. So look for Michigan state to exploit play action and to get some big plays in the passing game. I think that's going to be a big key to this one. Uh, in, in something I just saw over and over and over again against Ohio State and Michigan. Again, Michigan only nine completions, so the passing game total isn't super eye-popping as far as the stats go, but when you're completing those for about 19 a, a pop, that that can really break a defense. Yeah, to put some context to this, Rutgers against the run is 34th in the country um, in rush yards per attempt, 3.5 rush yards per attempt against the pass they are at 97th in the country with 8.2 yards allowed per pass attempt um so yeah i mean that's that's the story like i said we'll try to establish the run but if it's not working it's not a death blow um this offense has shown they have the ability to win games through the air um, it just, it, it speeds up the game a little bit. It increases the number of possessions in a game. And it, if we are trying to build a lead, it may keep Rutgers in it a little bit longer. Um, but I do think we get enough on the ground and, uh, and we, you know, finish them off through the air. Um, yeah, if, if we're looking at the, uh, the Michigan state Heisman watch, this might be the, the week that Peyton Thorne vaults into the conversation or that. Jaden Reed puts his name firmer into that conversation. It's, it's mostly been a Kenneth Walker conversation. Jaden Reed has, has slipped himself in there. I saw, um, to quote one person, I, I know there's been a couple media sources who have been on some of the Spartans here. Um, Dennis Dodd of CBS, who is a longtime college football writer. He had Jaden Reed in his list of, of Heisman hype, I think he called it, but there's a lot of buzz for our Spartans out there. And please, for the love of God, people, uh, this is something that has been driving me insane on social media. Can we stop with the Michigan State disrespect card? It's driving me insane. We have Kenneth Walker on legitimate like Heisman ballots, like midseason Heisman ballots. People are talking about Jaden Reed as a potential Heisman guy. People are talking about Peyton Thorne as maybe the best QB in the Big Ten. These are conversations that national and regional writers are having and writing about. I'm seeing this everywhere, and yet we still are trying to play the disrespect card. Mel Tucker is getting, like, midseason coach of the year. Like, I've seen all of this in the national media. I've seen all of this in the regional media. Just please, it's driving me nuts. It It's the reason that Michigan fans have ragged on us for years about the little brother thing. Obviously that part's, you know, the little brother thing, it's insulting, but our fan base drives me crazy sometimes. And this whole, like we're getting disrespected thing is just, it's driving me nuts the last couple of weeks because we have gotten a ton of publicity uh, over the last three, four weeks here. And, and to see Michigan state fans on Twitter, just constantly playing this disrespect card. It's like, all right, we could play that in 2013, 14, 15, when we, they were mispronouncing Mel, Mark D'Antonio's name and all, all of that. Sure. Now, it, that, that's just not the case. So please stop. You, you're just making everything worse. You're making the writers not want to write about us. You're making 
people not want to follow our our fans it's 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 obnoxious just just cut it out so disrespectful kevin if you say that (laughs) i hate you no i agree so let's go to the michigan state defensive side just to wrap up the offense i think uh it is rutgers strength but they're not that strong uh let's put it that way um we'll get to predictions obviously in our picks podcast but let's go over to michigan state's defense against this Rutgers offense. They have a couple playmakers. They don't have a great offense, but they do have a couple guys you got to keep your eye on. I'm going to start with probably their most dynamic playmaker in Aaron Crookshank, not only an offensive playmaker, also one of the better return men. We're actually going to have two of the better punters and two of the better return men in the conference in this game. And we can touch on special teams, but let's talk about, uh, him as a receiver, Aaron Crookshank. So he is, I mean, you look at the Western Kentucky game last week and I, I don't have the name in front of me, but their top receiver had a career day. He had almost 20 catches on the night. Um, I kind of expect something similar from either Aaron Crookshank or Bo Melton on the other side. Obviously we know what this defense does at this point. They kind of give you that underneath stuff. Rutgers will take advantage of that to a certain extent. And I do expect somebody to have a big day like that, but Kevin, What do you expect out of this Rutgers pass attack? Yeah, Crookshank is a name I wanted to bring up too. He he transferred in from Wisconsin last year. This guy, every he's this is his fourth season of college football. Every single year he has had. um, Where am I looking at here? Every year he's had. No, I was looking at the wrong thing. Never mind. Ignore that completely. Great returner, really fast, makes plays. That's what you need to know about Aaron Crookshank. Um, no, Bo Melton is their other playmaker at wide receiver. Uh, he's he's a really strong player. He did get banged up last week, so keep an eye on that. He he went down with a shoulder injury. He came back in, and then he finished the second half in street clothes. I'm not sure. There, there's a, uh, I guess while I'm at it, their left tackle as well, uh, Raekwon O'Neal, I think is his name. Their starting left tackle. He was also hurt in that game. Uh, those would be two huge losses for them. Probably their best receiver and their starting left tackle. Both of them tried to come back in from their injuries and then ultimately ended the game in street clothes. It could be a situation where they re-aggravated it, or it could be a situation where their coaching staff said, look, we're down by 50 points. There's no need to risk further injury. Just get out of here and, and get healthy for next week. So Keep an eye on that if those two are playing or not. If they are out, that's huge for the Rutgers offense to be missing those guys. Um, the the other important name here is Isaiah Pacheco. He's their running back. He has been their starting running back since he was a true freshman back in 2018. Uh, this poor guy, he's had almost 500 career rushing attempts and has never had a good offensive line, has never had good playmakers around him, has just never really been given an opportunity. So, I, I just, for the sake of, of, I don't know, being a good person, I hope Isaiah Pacheco gets like drafted to the Kansas city chiefs or something like give this guy some damn help. Uh, he's a good player. He really is, but just um, has, has really struggled in his career because he's played four years at Rutgers, but uh, no Pacheco's a good player. Uh, Noah Vidral, their quarterback, Scott, what's what's your read on him? Because he's a he's a pretty contentious player when it comes to you know fan opinions or uh, Big Ten people kind of looking at him from the outside. 
Um, he's been their starting quarterback for two years now. He's, he was the one against us in 2020 and most of last year, he was, he was the Rutgers player transferred in from Nebraska. Um, what's the vibe you get on Vidral? Because there's a lot of mixed opinions. Yeah. I mean, he's, I hate the word game manager. I don't think that's really his style, but he does have kind of a scrappy ability to get you a few yards when you need them. Um, he's experienced and he's good enough to be Rutgers starter. He's not going to win a game with his arm. That's not the type of player he is. Um, he He's okay with the short stuff. He has a decent completion percentage right around 67%. He's only averaging 6.6 yards per attempt. Um, and he'll, he'll make some mistakes. They got a little bit desperate against Ohio state, but they got very desperate against Ohio state last week. And he threw, I think two or three interceptions in that game. Um, but he's got some legs and a little bit of power behind his legs. He's a decent runner. So in those short yardage situations, they'll run a read option with him. And, uh, he's not afraid to put his head down into a scrum and, uh, and push the pile a little bit. So yeah, he's a guy you got to keep your eyes on. Um, you got to, account for as a defense uh he will break the pocket and and make some plays with his legs he's their second leading rusher this year with 150 rushing yards through five games so he's good for 30 yards a game and that takes into account sacks as well so um yeah he's he's a scrappy kid um but i don't expect this to be a game where we watch him sit in the pocket and, and gash our secondary i think he will take advantage of those um, you know, underneath routes that we kind of give it uh, an offense. And he's kind of built for that with the way that Rutgers likes to, to run their offense. I think you'll see a lot of him getting the ball outside um, and, uh, and letting the receivers do the work for him. Yeah. He's, he's just athletic enough to get you that third and two on a read option or, or something like that. But Certainly nowhere near the athlete that an Adrian Martinez is at Nebraska or a Derek King is at Miami guys that we've played already this year. But again, when it's third and short, you got to keep an eye on him when it's third and medium, he can scramble out and get a first down for you. Uh, really inconsistent player at the end of the day, but it has the ability to make plays. What I, I noticed a couple, he did pretty well against the blitz in the last couple weeks. Um, there were a couple times where I saw him navigating the pocket really well and, and keeping his eyes downfield. Um, it, it's something that I think is, is again, inconsistent week to week, but I think something he's certainly improved on. Um, so where Scotty Hazelton has loved bringing heat this year, that's going to be something to keep an eye on is, is when we are blitzing, how does Vedral handle that? Does he, does he get swallowed up by a blitz as he has in the past? Or um, is, is he actually developing that part of his game and, and forcing defenses to kind of stick to their base and not blitz because, you know, he's shown some ability to beat it. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Scotty Hazelton does love to bring pressure. So uh, that's going to be something to watch. I, I think overall on defense, we're, we have some good matchups here. I think our defensive line is certainly able to, to shut down the Rutgers rushing attack, which again has a good running back, but not a great offensive line that's opening up too many holes for him. I think our defensive backs just keep improving, man. That's, that's one thing, you know, when we look at, at where this team was in week one and where we are now, 
there's a lot of things that are kind of the same, right? Kenneth Walker is leading the offense. Jaden Reed is, is somebody who's an absolute playmaker and who we're prioritizing getting the ball to. Jalen Naylor is, you know, at last week came back and, and finally is making a bigger impact, but is still kind of that question mark, wild card, X factor, whatever you want to call it, where it's like, oh, if this guy has a big game, that means this offense is really humming and we're hard to stop. And, but he hasn't really been on every game this week, you know, so he's that kind of wild card. There's a lot of things that are kind of consistent on this team. The defensive backs, they, they're probably the biggest week one to week five improvement for me. Xavier Henderson has just continued playing good ball, but Angelo gross is really finding himself in that free safety spot. It's something that he's making that transition from the nickel slot corner where he's playing close to the line of scrimmage. He's playing a lot of man coverage to playing a cover three free safety, where you're really put in a position where you're roaming over the top. You're seeing the whole field from from further back than anybody else on the defense. And he's really started to grow into that role slowly over the course of this year. And then the corners who Ronald Williams, Chester Kimber, Chaz Kimbrough, um, you know, these guys have really started to find their footing in, in the big 10 play this year. So I I think that's something we're definitely going to be watching and something that I'm really excited for. Uh, But continuing to see the progression from this defensive backfield they got a good matchup here against the Rutgers team that isn't really that effective in throwing the ball. But like we said, they got a couple playmaking wide receivers and, a, and an at least decent quarterback. So that's going to be a matchup I'm looking for. Yeah. So outside of offense and defense, we mentioned special teams a little bit. Um, they've got a great punter. I'd like to say we do as well. Two really exciting return men. Um and so that's something, an area to keep an eye on, right? Whenever a, a punt team rolls out there, is it going to be, is the punter going to let them return it? And if they do, what happens there? Um, but, and one more note. Um, punter Adam Corsak, is, by the way, want to give the guys Adam credit. Corsak, earned, the Ray, earned the Ray guy punter of the week twice. So he's, he's been really good this year. Um, Shiano will be aggressive in special teams at times when he feels like he needs a big play. He's run a few fakes this year. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. I'm sure Michigan state's, uh, punt return unit will have their eyes, um, on that. They haven't been very successful with it, but they have tried. Did you see the, speaking of like aggressive fakes that there was a play against Michigan where they tried to run. It was like, uh, it, Noah Vidral like looked over to the side. Like, it was kind of like their take yeah. on the Philly Philly special or something, but like he kind of looks over to the sideline and Isaiah Pacheco, the running back ran up to the line of scrimmage to take a snap from under center. And it was just a disaster, but it was one of those plays where if you're a good college football program, you're not running that play. That's, that's an underdog play, right? That's the, when you're playing that like Mac school that they're going to pull out everything they can to, to just try to squeak by a couple yards, a gimme play here and there. That was one of those where I saw that play and I was like, yeah, Rutgers is still not a good program because you're, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan, no matter how bad Michigan got under Rich Rod and Brady Hoke, they're not running gimmick plays like that. It's just, they're not going to do it. It's embarrassing. It's 
And it was a disaster. He fumbled the snap. It, the whole defense saw it coming and they pinched inside like that. It, it, it was a disaster, but uh, the point stands there. Greg Schiano is going to be aggressive. He's going to go for it on fourth down. He's going to try to fake a punt. He's going to try to fake a field goal. He's going to do whatever he can to try to give his team an advantage. And, and again, it's, it's worked to the extent that Rutgers is certainly better than they were, but um, that type of stuff isn't going to win you games against good teams, right? Yeah. So let me um, pose one question here to wrap it up, Kevin. I think we match up really well on both sides of the ball. I, I don't think it's a secret. My prediction is that MSU is going to win. I'll let you know what it is against the spread in our picks, but um, Sunday morning, we wake up, we feel awful because Michigan state is no longer undefeated. Rutgers beat them. What's the, what's the headline? How did it happen? The, the only thing is turnovers, right? And that's what happened to us last year is what seven turnovers or something in that game. And we still hung with them. That's, that's the one thing that when we were going into this season, back in the off season, and we were like, looking through the schedule and we said, okay, you know, Western Kentucky, that should be a win. Youngstown state. That should be a win. We, you know, these Ohio state, that's going to be a loss. And then there was these kind of coin flip games where ah, it could go either way. And Rutgers I had is a clear win because I'm like, you look at that game last year, everything that went wrong, that could go wrong, went wrong, right? Seven turnovers, a lot of them in our own end where they're starting their field position at our 30 yard line or whatever. Right. And that was still a close game in the fourth quarter. So like, you can't tell me that we're going to turn the ball over seven times again and, and, and lose that game. But when I look at this matchup on paper, I, I think our front seven should be able to stop their running game. I think our defensive backs should be able to stop their passing game because I, I think their offense just isn't that good. Our running game might not be as effective as it's been in, in weeks past, but I think when we need a third and two, when we need a third and one, I think we should still be able to get it. They have a good front seven, but it's, it's not something that's going to completely shut you down. And like we said, their defensive backs might be the weakest unit on the team. And we have three good receivers, proven receivers and a good quarterback. So on paper, I just don't see the matchup that really holds this team back. Can they shut down the run? Yeah, sure. But that just means they're more exploitable over the top. Um, turnovers, special teams stuff. That's going to be where we could possibly lose this game. And I'm sure Mel Tucker and, and this coaching staff is preaching that all week. Ball security, special teams, those things I'm sure are being talked about in that building all week. And so hopefully they'll have them ready, but yeah, that's, that's really the only thing that I see. I'll flip that on you, Scott. Um, you know, that that's kind of the, okay, if we were to lose, how would we lose? If we wake up on Sunday and we're looking at a blowout win, we're talking five scores. We're talking six scores. We're talking an old school Rutgers beat down. Uh, what's the headline there uh, on the flip side? So, there's a few things we didn't cover that aren't exactly on the field, but that will play into this emotionally. Uh, one, it's Rutgers homecoming. So for what it's worth, the Rutgers alumni might have a little extra pep in their step Two, it's the battle for the chop, uh, which we didn't cover and we should cover. 
because uh, somebody mentioned it's a great opportunity for a like a trophy game. I don't really want a trophy game with Rutgers. I think it's given them a little too much respect. Well, and the, at this and point. there's already a we already have the Paul Bunyan trophy. There's already a Paul Bunyan's axe trophy out there. I think it's right. like Minnesota and Wisconsin. So I, I don't even know somebody, what you would do. <laughs> somebody suggested like a very medium sized piece of firewood as the, <laughs> as the trophy. But um, so you got the battle for the chop. They're coming off two conference losses um, in a season when they had a lot of excitement. So this is going to be a desperate team and desperate teams can do crazy things. Um, one side or and, the other. and obviously and it's on the road um, and you can't discount that fact I know it's Rutgers but this is not the SHI stadium that we're used to playing in two three years ago where there's you know 5,000 fans they're going to pack this place um, I mentioned it's homecoming and and there is excitement I mean Greg Shiano we've seen it all off season. these Rutgers fans think you know, we're, we're on our way back, maybe not back yet, but we're on our way back. Let's go down to uh, Piscataway and see this team and see if they're, you know, worth paying attention to these days. So um, there's a momentum aspect to this. And I think Michigan state needs to do exactly what Ohio state did last week, come out of the gates, get a multiple score lead in the first quarter and remind Rutgers that, Hey, you might be excited, but there's still a lot of big dogs in this conference and you're going to have to earn these wins. And I think the, the best thing that Michigan state can do to capture this is come out to a big lead, get Rutgers really thinking, Oh man, are we really just the Rutgers of old? There's gotta be a little bit of self-confidence issues starting to crack, you know, in that program with a couple of losses back to back in the conference uh, after starting three and I think Michigan state needs to put those thoughts in their head, win the turnover battle, um, get the ground game going. And, and I think honestly, this is a perfect opportunity to get some big plays on offense. Ohio state did it last week. We don't necessarily have the same playmakers all on the offensive side that Ohio state does, but it's not that. I mean, when you look at our receivers versus theirs, I do think they have the best receiver duo in the big 10, but I think we're probably second. Um, and in our running back, I mean, they've got Travion Henderson and they've got Master Teague who are great, but I mean, we know what Kenneth Walker can do. So you look at this, I mean, we have the ability to put some really big plays on the board here. And, uh, and as long as our defense, I think that's what it comes down to. If our defense can stop them from scoring in the red zone, um, I think, I think you could be looking at a really big win here. They're going to move the ball just like everybody else has. That's the way our defense is built. But I think this is a perfect opportunity to really, almost shut them out of the end zone. If there's a game we're looking at, they really don't have the offensive power to just push you backwards in the red zone. Um, and you mentioned our line has, has an advantage in that matchup, our defensive line. So I think you keep them out of the end zone. You let the offense do its work. You control kind of the, the chaos plays, the turnovers and, and the momentum in the game. And we're looking at a potentially big win here. Yeah. So it's week six and Scott is already predicting us to beat Ohio state. How about, how about that? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> no, I, so I, I do think one last thing I, you kind of hit on it and I want to emphasize is uh, emphasize it a little bit as well. I, I think there is always an interesting dynamic specifically in college football. When you talk about teams coming off of big games, whatever the case, whether they come off an emotional close win, whether they're coming off a blowout win, whether they're coming out of, of, of a blowout loss, um, how do they respond? Because these are still kids, right? NFL teams, 
It's on to the next week. We saw it already this year with like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They got ran out of the building week one, come back week two, like, like nothing ever happened, right? They're professionals. That's what they do. These are college kids who are emotional, who don't understand that part of the game yet. And Rutgers, Ohio state last week, like there's that say like, ah, this game was over at halftime. That game wasn't over at halftime. That game was over with 12 minutes left in the first quarter. It, that that game was was they had uh they they went for a fake punt deep in their own territory i think in the first drive of the game ohio state shut it down and i think scored on the first play of offense and then they got a pick six on the next drive and you could just feel it like up oh, this one's over they they have no chance of coming back in this one and, and they just kept pouring it on and poured on ohio state scored on their first seven possessions just buried them early and often. So while I don't think we're going to score in our first seven possessions and, and win the game by 40 points, uh, this, this might be a good opportunity to keep this momentum rolling into, into big 10 play as you know, the tough part of our schedule is coming up here. You know, we talked about it before the season started, look for this team to, to get out to a good record early. I think, uh, you know, we mentioned this last week too, but we both had us going four and one, early in the season. And I think we both even had us five or, or six and one or six and two. Right. And it's just that back half of the year, things are going to start getting really difficult. And that's just what happens when you get into big 10 play. But, you know, we have a lot of tough games coming up. This is a game we need to win. If we are going to do the things that we think we could do when we're the 11th ranked team in the country, and when we have our eyes set on an eight, nine, 10 win season, you got to beat Rutgers. You got to put them away. You, you can't win this game by two points and squeak it out. A win is a win. And, and that's kind of how this is. This is a weird year for expectations because we went into this year talking about like, man, just get me to a bowl game. I don't care what it looks like. As long as we're competitive in those losses and win six games, I'm a happy man. And now I'm like, Hey, I, a five point win. That's not enough. You better win this game by two touchdowns. Like <laughs> that was only six weeks ago that we were having these conversations. Um, I I'm battling with that every single week that I go into these games where I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm just happy with a win, but also, man, we only won by 16 last week. Like <laughs> it's, it's a weird place to be. Yeah, but here we are. Um, I mentioned I'll be down there. Did I mention that yet? I'm psyched about it. It's going to be a good game. Um, they seem to have a lot, some fun things around campus to uh, to make the, the pregame exciting. It's a noon game, so not sure how much time I'll have to, to enjoy them. But I'll try to get down there a little bit early. And, uh, yeah, I'll be there, I guess, tweeting my to my heart's content um, from the front row. So really psyched for this one. We'll give our predictions. I think the line, like you said, is MSU by five currently. We'll give our predictions on the Picks podcast on Friday. So stay tuned for that. Um, and this, the show keeps rolling on. Yep. So go follow Scott on Twitter at Spartan Martin 18. The link is in the bio. I'm sure he will have some good photos, some good videos for you from the front row of Pescataway, New Jersey, uh, for this game noon kickoff on big 10 Network. So after a couple night games we're we're finally back in the early window, um, I prefer the noon games. Three thirty is the ultimate college football time, right? That's that's the dream spot. But 
that's that's a rare place to be. So I, I prefer noon to night games. I'd rather just get it out of the way early and then the rest of the day I can, can go and watch the rest of my college football. But uh, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Again, noon game, uh, Big Ten Network. Make sure we're all tuned in for it. You'll get the picks on Friday uh, against the spread. We have been doing a pretty darn good job so far this year and you listeners have been doing a pretty darn good job as well so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you'll get that right in your feed on friday morning we appreciate all the support we appreciate you sticking with us again through some a couple weeks of of mishaps we're back on our normal schedule we're back on our equipment you guys are the best for for staying with us um yeah let's wrap it there we'll get we'll get to the picks on friday so go green go white Take care, folks.